Hey guys, and welcome to the Dads Group Podcast, a place where you and I get to connect with incredible leaders, shape the future of fatherhood together, and dig deeper into what is happening inside the minds and hearts of new and expecting fathers. In this episode, we are interviewing the CEO of Panda, Julie Bonenkoff. Panda is dedicated to supporting the mental health and well-being of expecting new and growing families. I hope you guys enjoy. Today, Julie, we're going to interview you. We're going to get a bit um, to know you a bit better. Um, I'm going to kick off uh, with a question a little bit around your work. Uh, so you can tell us a little bit about your work. This is kind of like a yarning circle or a, or a <laughs> you can sit down and enjoy each other's companies and, and share some stories. So um, take the questions as you'd like, respond in a way that you feel relaxed and tell us a little a bit about your work and why, why you're passionate about it, Julie. Oh, where do I start, Tom? I think, you know, as an organisation, uh, I became the CEO and, you know, the custodian in many ways of an amazing organisation in late 2019. Um, Panda is an organisation that next year is 40 years old, so we've been around for a significant amount of time and, uh, you know, when you become the leader of an organisation that has had such a rich lifeblood and such deep roots from community, uh, you know, your role is a really important one to make sure that you're honouring and respecting the past, that you're building a stable foundation that works for the community right now and setting it up for success in the future. So I personally find uh, the work that the organisation does as really exciting um, but also very much honouring where we came from. So, you know, 40 years ago next year, we were born in community out of, you know, two women who had an extreme experience of mental vulnerability during the perinatal period who were supported by their partners to come together um, and have a community session where they spoke about their experience. And I have a barking dog next door, so you're going to have to put up with that. Um, but, you know, they spoke about their experience together and suddenly realised that they weren't alone. And a community event soon became overwhelming in terms of the number of people that came together to be able to share a conversation about their experience and how the service system was or wasn't meeting their needs. Um, and the similarities and the impacts it had on who they were and wanted to be as a family. So Panda was born a long time ago. We were predominantly funded for lived experience, so services delivered via peer modalities or um, with people, you know, volunteering on a helpline and have grown and grown from there to where we are now the, you know, largest national provider of the perinatal mental health helpline for mums and dads across the country. Um, we do amazing work beyond that, though. You know, we are really uh, committed to ensuring that we are building really down-to-earth resources and educating and training health professionals across the country to be the best providers of care and support that they can be and to seize every opportunity that they have with mums and dads um, and everyone in between, including grandparents and elders and, you know, aunts and uncles and whomever to be able to support people and identify vulnerability and catch it early so that people can be the parents they want to be. Fantastic. Well, that's um, it's actually really nice and special to hear the the roots of the organisation and those stories of where that came out. Uh, admittedly, I didn't know that, so um, it's nice to have that that story and that narrative around um, those mothers who were you know in need of support, and also you mentioned the partners who support them in in that. And um, we're going to get into a little bit more about partner support or the way in which fathers can be involved. Um, 
But before we do, Julie, can I ask you a question about fatherhood? And if I say mm -hmm. to you, what are the things that, you know, come up in your mind or your heart and your experiences as, uh, as possibly as a child or possibly seeing uh, or being with someone who is a father of, of your child or, or um, possibly seeing other people interact in that father role model? Open-ended question. When I say fatherhood, tell us what comes to mind. Uh, I think first and foremost, two things, you know, most definitely, and that is I feel very privileged to have had, I think, the most amazing father. And my dad is my rock and continues to be my rock. And, you know, he was an amazing father and is an amazing father, not because of any bells and whistles, but just because he was constant for me. You know, he shared with me who he was authentically he let me know that I was okay regardless of where I was in the ups and downs of my life and development. Um, you know, he fought for and went after the things that were important to him on a small or a large scale. And he taught me how to be a MacGyver, as we call it in our household. So, you know, I can build anything. I can do anything. I can reconstruct my house. We can build on our block and all of those things because my dad taught me that I was capable, even at times that I wasn't, I'm sure, you know. So when I think about fatherhood, you know, and the belief that individuals have in us and the importance of having that from a male figure as a woman, but also, you know, in, in that sort of sharing of a role and, and love differently and at times vulnerably, uh, I think that's there for me. Um, and then the second piece to my fatherhood kind of perspective is how proud I am and thankful I am to have my partner, Dave, you know, and, uh, you know, I returned to work after three months of having my beautiful girl and, you know, 10 years ago and Dave was everything to all of them. The role that he undertook, you know, even though he was vulnerable himself at that time and questioning whether or not he was the best and doing it right and all of that, to see the relationship he formed and the special moments he had and how they continue to play out and trust that is there in their relationship and their attachment, even though he, you know, became overwhelmed at times, is something that will always be there in my daughter's fabric and makeup. And so she has that same kind of constant now that I had. And I'm really thrilled about that. And I know that that's not everyone's experience. And I know that I am privileged in many ways to have that. But, you know, constant comes in many forms. And if we can give people the power to understand that they don't have to be perfect and that near enough is good enough and any little piece of constant you can give in the ups and downs of life is a valuable one, I think that's what fatherhood is to me. Well, that is, um, that's, a, that's a really um, full response and there's so many different elements of that which sound exciting. I thank you for sharing that, you know, that that. I guess, perspective that you had as a child that you have, you know, uh, I guess, growing up and the, the, in those formative years, it sounds like those elements of support uh, and, as you mentioned, constant connection that your father gave you and now you see uh, Dave, you know, providing as well mm -hmm. as something that's, I guess, been, you know, quite fundamental in your development. Would you go, would you go um, so far as... Uh, seeing that influence now in your professional life? 
Mm. Yeah, look, most definitely, you know, my my dad taught me, you know, especially as a leader, and I continue to have conversations with him about the way I choose to work, which is really openly, authentically putting my people first and being stable and constant and equitable. Like they're the, they're the things that my dad taught me as a child in the way that he treated me, in the way that I saw him treat the people he worked with and the relationships he had. And, you know, I still talk to my dad about the struggle sometimes with how business or how uh, you know, funding relationships when we look at organisations in a not-for-profit space or the way in which, you know, we try to be there for staff or our community can really impact on um, bringing that authenticity and bringing that kind of stability because the space is changing so much. So, you know, I think that the things that my dad taught me very much reinforce who I am today as a leader in business, um, also as who I am in a as a mother and in the relationship I have and my friendships with others. Um, and I speak to my dad constantly about those things and, you know, and, and about the stability he brought me and how to retain that in a really fluid and creative and changeable space. That's, that's really exciting to hear, Julie. Um, if I was to unpack just for those listeners who um, wanting to get maybe more of a, a grasp of what is, you know, constant and equitable, you know, they're, they're respectfully, you know, complex terms, what does it actually look like? in a workplace where you're the boss boss, <laughs> you've got people, you've got challenges, but if you're, you know, you're saying your father has been able to help you know what to do essentially with those principles, but what in a in a day-to-day work environment, what does that look like a boss behaves, what activities, what, there's obviously tensions there to be able to deliver those outcomes. So what is that? Can you paint us a picture of, um, and I might be putting you on the spot, but what could that look like in your experience where you have had to do those big words in a really just normal setting or how to yeah, run me through an example of that? Because I think they're great, but I, I really love unpacking what it could look like for someone who's listening. Yeah, so when I talk about being, you know, equitable and authentic, I think it's about being constant and trying to be the same for other people, you know, and I think that the fascinating thing about workplaces or families or any relationship we have is that everyone brings such a different backpack of crap to their interactions, first and foremost, Um, you know, and secondly, everyone is different and unique and that's a wonderful thing. So, you know, being in a space where you want people to feel held in the work that they do and as an organisation like Panda, we do such big work and we have such a large community of staff that have lived experience Um, So we have to honour and respect what people bring day to day and I have to ensure that my staff know that I am stable for them, that I approach my role and I have principles that are founded um, and generally don't change and at times may need to change as we adapt and evolve but that they can rely on and that they can trust in and that if they don't, that will support them to navigate that space and either find other organisations or other opportunities or, you know, understand it and unpack it. So, you know, in my principles in business are about trying to be clear and stable, trying to be myself always so I don't stand on ceremony. You know, I think it's really important that people see the real me um, in any engagement, including these kind of engagements. I, I don't put on airs and graces. I am who I am. 
um, and that people know that if there is something they don't understand or something that doesn't feel right for them, that they can approach me. And, you know, I say this to my staff all the time. I, I am here, you know, I, I am busy, but I am here. And, that, you know, that the pieces in a work setting that are the hardest are when staff say, you know, I've chosen to make this decision or I've chosen to leave the organisation or any of those things because I didn't get this from it or, um, you know, my role wasn't what I expected, but they never had that opportunity to reach out and ask. And so I want, you know, as a part of being a really equitable, stable and authentic leader um, and person in life, I want people to feel that they can approach me, that they can have those conversations, that they're safe to do so. And that as an organisation, we hold individual difference, but we're clear you know, and that we have to be as clear internally as we are for our community externally. Thanks, Julie. I appreciate that um, and understand that. Sorry, I did have a small interruption for a small human that was wanting to show me a, uh, a new... There's dog. no issue with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's... Parking dogs. <laughs> yeah, um, that's just part of, uh, I guess, Dad's group operating environment. Um now, in all our other interviews also, we go into an area which I might have mentioned to you before. We'd like to talk about some success in the fatherhood sense. In your case, it might be motherhood um, and also maybe one of a, a, a failing where you see that, um, you know, we want we want to, you know, show people that whilst you're, you are the great leader that you are, the great CEO and the expert in the space of that, um, that support for communities at a national level and, and all those things, but you're also um, as human as, as, as others. And part of that is, is giving the opportunity to share uh, an area where, you know, in your personal life or something that relates to fatherhood or motherhood or parenting, where you could see, um, you know, something that you would have liked in hindsight, you might've done differently. Uh, and you, you might've learned from your community. I don't want to over explain what the, that situation yeah. could be, but we're going to go and ask you one of those type scenarios and then maybe a success story as well. So if you'd like to share something in those, in the, firstly, in that kind of areas of personal development, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a hard one. Look, you know, I, I have to say that probably the most confronting experience that I've had as an individual, as somebody who's always... Um, done lots of things in my life both you know in terms of leadership but creatively and you know I have a wide and varied work experience and background um, and as a clinical psychologist who've done lots of different and great things um, probably the most uh, eye-opening and you know most confronting parts of my life was as a new mother you know for the first time ever I had found I found myself in a space and I will be quite clear about the fact that I do not consider that I have a lived experience of mental vulnerability in the perinatal period but I was the most confronted I have ever been as an individual in having a new baby and being overwhelmed by the feelings of what I should and must be doing for this little person um, and whether or not I was skilled and equipped to be able to do that and, you know, feeling for the first time ever that I had, you know, no control, even though I know I have no control in life and, you know, really only have 20% of control in any moment. Um, you know, it was the first time in my life where I felt completely adrift that I, you know, didn't have a rule book, so to speak, and that I didn't have the answers. And most of all, that I couldn't rely on myself alone, you know, so 
it was a real experience for me where I had to be really intimately connected in a trusting way to my husband, you know, and for many ways, in many ways, you know, that was the first point in my life where having been with my husband for many years prior to having our baby that he really stepped in and showed a true, uh, you know, rock-like strength in terms of being able to take over and say, this is where we need to go. This is how you need to put her in the baby seat to get out of the hospital. This is how you need to be right now and just give her over to me and be okay to sit with the emotions you're having, you know, as a new mum. And so probably the most confronting time was having a new little bub and learning that space and also giving over, you know, and letting Dave step in and be that rock and being really proud of him and you know how we navigated that space together because we have no family you know in Victoria our family is all in WA so we were parenting alone so I think that taught me a lot about myself you know in terms of it's okay you don't have to know what you're doing all of the time that near enough is good enough that wrapping around each other and making space for what that feels like in a different way to the partnership you've had before having a child um, is really important and that you get through it you know, you might you may not be the same person that you went into the parenting journey with as, mm. or, you know, but you get you come out of the other side one way or another. Some of us with war wounds and some without them. Um, as with any with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, completely. Um, but you know, then how do you wear those? Are they badges of honor or are they, you know, signs of, of failure? And I think that's really important. So I think, you know, probably parenting was the most confronting and, and you know, overwhelming pace for me. Um and then what was the other part of the question? Oh no, before you go on, you said something there which was which really caught my attention. You said um the you know, there was the element or the context of you know, essentially struggling for use of a better term uh, in that kind of capacity, capability, identity space. Mm. You then said this word or a couple of words around giving over. And it was in that sense that it was kind of like, oh, it sounded like it was oh, giving over. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to understand because, you know, a lot of the, the audience in, in this community, dads group, mums and dads are in that space right now, mm -hmm. um, whether they're, you know, three weeks in having a baby or th three weeks pre or three years mm -hmm. in, there's that constant, um, I guess, this is how I would do the situation and that's not going to be possible. Mm -hmm. And there's that sense of gap or potentially mm -hmm. however you want to look at it, failure. And then there's that giving over. Can yeah. you tell me, um, I, I guess I see there's a lot of value in couples being able to talk in that space, in that giving over space. Can you unpack that for me in, in your experience with Dave? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, yes, I can, I can give you my, my perspective on it. I mean, I think the giving over is a really hard one, especially when you found yourself feeling fairly functional through life, you know, and that you do have a sense of autonomy and, and control to a large degree in the, the way you have lived your life. Um, I think the giving over is an interesting one because there has to be self-trust and there has to be trust in the other person. And the trust is not an extreme. You know, I always talk to people about trust being on a, a spectrum. It's not black and white. You know, there is this, this niggling that perhaps I can trust somebody. There is this it's immense feeling of, yes, I can jump off this cliff with this person. You know, it's, there's all these greys in between there. And I think for me, the giving over is about the self-trust of I can step away in this moment, I can give my baby or I can give this situation to somebody else to 
you know, alleviate some of the distress I'm, I'm experienced to help carry the weight of, it, you know, the experience. So there's that self-trust, but there's also complete trust or, you know, a graded trust in the person that you are, you know, sharing with, you know, and that I think in many moments, you know, when you give over, you don't necessarily know because it's not a trusted, it's not a tested trust, you know, it's a, it's a belief that you will get through it and that this person can help you. Um, and it's only in giving over that you reinforce and have evidence that, yeah, that was a good, good decision to make, which then builds and layers, you know, like a, like any good layered foundation or cake or anything, you know, it takes those kind of moments where you actually give over to really build a foundation and a bedrock that provides further stability and further evidence when you get to the next challenge. Um, even if that didn't go well, you you will still have an experience and a growth through that um, as a couple or as a family or as an individual, you know, and and it's about kind of taking stock of that and using that to reinforce the next step. So I think the giving over is a really important one, especially when, you know, somebody like me who hates to be thinking of themselves as a control freak, that kind of has to control a whole lot of things to provide support, you know, it's, it's a big one. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. Just hearing that and I, in, in my mind, I'm going through all these different conversations, the pieces of research around what we've been researching for uh, couples to better understand each other and, you know, that handing over piece, which is, yeah, I can just really see how that's been um, uh, a, a challenge and a, a work, a continuous work in my relationship with Kate and, and mm -hmm. our uh, our you know marriage and partnership and and especially in the space of parenting which is just this ongoing chaotic um yeah uh, boot camp of failure and you know and, and success but also giving over to little people yeah like you know i mean it's that thing too now it's not just about the couple it's now about giving over to this little person who needs to develop their own skills and their own self-trust and i think as parents you see that often too that they carry the weight for these little people that will benefit so much from having the give over done to them too and they start to develop their own sense of self and self-identity Oh, sorry. Did did I just read? I think I, I think I, I think you just stopped. I thought that we froze. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I liked. We we got both answers that I wanted to go for. That kind of sense of, of failure, um, and then that sense of success, and they're all in, uh, building around that same notion of of giving over and and being incapable in, in some spaces, uh, and essentially building that notion of team in your in your relationship in those early years and I think by the sounds of it in your case those layers um, of trust like you said sometimes have been effective and worked sometimes they haven't um, and I guess that's something that's really important to note that it's not just a it all gets better all the time uh, approach it's it gets better it gets worse it gets better better then worse and then you know and that's that is that space and all of us, I believe, are in, in that space somewhat and, and navigating that space and having it normalised by someone like yourself or another peer or a next-door neighbour in that peer environment. Mm. Those environments that we catalyse and support um, are such such strong ways to encourage and inspire parents. And I just mm. really thank for that sharing that you've given us. Um, we also go on to uh, talk a bit about a tip or encouragement for a new father. So 
you've seen a lot of things in your time, both professionally and personally. Um, you've got a lot of different experiences there. Um, yeah, what's what would you give as a tip? Oh, look, I think knowing some of the data that I know from, you know, Panda in terms of dad's perspectives of the kind of father they'll be and the fact that, you know, most of our dads that complete the mental health checklist, so about 64%, um, fear that they're not going to be a good dad. And, you know, knowing clinically but also from my own experience how disabling fear can be, right. I think, you know, the biggest thing that, uh, you know, I would give as a tip is be afraid and do it anyway, you know, as I do for my daughter or anyone, you know, and that is the things that are meaningful, you know, always create fear because we want to get it right or because we're fearful of a loss. So I think being afraid and doing it anyway and knowing that you're enough's good enough in, in the outset of, you know, whatever it is you're, you're trying to achieve has to be the best tip for dads because, no one likes to mess it up. Everyone wants to avoid distress. You know, we're all pain intolerant, you know, regardless of whether it's physical, mental or existential. So I think, you know, having a go, being afraid, doing it any anyway and seeing the fear is really just a part of how much it means to you. I love it. Yeah, that's so good. And it's just so, um, so relevant and practical. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to speak to experts, understand the complexity of their, you know, their education, how that replicates into their work, but also translate into just some basic things like, yeah, you fear it and do it anyway. That's, that's something that anyone can take away. So thanks for that. Um, mm -hmm. The future of fatherhood could look like now, dot, dot, dot. Before I get you to answer that, fatherhood in our culture is changing somewhat and in a positive way, we're all having a positive influence on the ways, the ways in which fathers support mothers potentially um, you know we're going to get to uh, after this talking about how fathers new fathers can support their partners in that early stage with panda but before we do that um, the future of fatherhood could look like uh, please finish this sentence um, given the context of where you've you've seen it change in the last I guess uh, 10 or 15 years Oh, look, when, you know, straight away, the future of fatherhood could look like what Blair's doing right now. You know, he's sitting in a work environment in front of his computer with a child on his lap, connected to enough to that moment to be physically rocking his child and, you know, working. Like, I mean, you know, if, if COVID has given us, you know, nothing but a levelling that has allowed us to be in our homes. And for some, that's not a great thing. For some, that's resulted in distress and trauma and more risk. But for many people, it has allowed us to create a space where we don't miss out on some of those moments and where we actually get to hold our kids more um, and where we actually get to witness change differently. So, you know, I think that the future of fatherhood is one where there is space made for them to connect um, where it is okay to have the myriad of emotions and physical and mental experiences that come with connecting with being a new parent, regardless of whether you don't label yourself a father or not. Um, and that, you know, advocating for yourself in that and building an identity around that is a-okay is just, I think really important. Wow, thanks, Julie. That was awesome. And um, yeah, just to 
to be able to have, you know, an example of, of what that looks like, you know, on screen, off screen, um, you know, segueing in, segueing out in the fatherhood yeah. space. I think, you know, having workplaces that are father friendly, family friendly is critical to the future of uh, a positive fatherhood. And um, yeah, yeah, it looks like, um, you know, Blair is demonstrating that in a great way. So good on you, Blair, keep it up. Um, hopefully, you know, all fathers would have that. you had another set of hands right now. <laughs> <laughs> definitely doesn't um yeah and then um yeah the, the the last part uh julie is just you know as dad's group we're working you know i guess on this integrated model of care for fathers in the perinatal period where we're going into hospitals we're integrating the hospital experience with that paternal experience where the system hasn't done it before we're integrating with an organization like panda and sms for dads uh, we're bringing those narratives, those stories, those on-ramps, those support pathways into the knowledge realm uh, for new mothers and fathers. We're teaching them how to engage with these systems of support, these services, the phone call, mm -hmm. the, the SMSs uh, and the programs. Um, tell us uh, how a new father or expecting father, maybe um, pre-baby arrival and maybe a post-arrival example, how would they potentially connect with Panda and when and why? Oh, there are so many ways. Uh, so, you know, if we look at the pregnancy space or even before that, when you're planning above, you know, I mean, we may have people and we do have people who call our helpline who talk about the fact that they, you know, were concerned before they got pregnant as they were starting the, the preconception phase um, or, you know, the the having a go phase and not yet pregnant um, mm. that they were you know concerned about what might come and you know we would really love for that to be a point at which people are connecting with Panda you know as an organization of many you know and we partner with so many organizations including you know Dad's Group and SMS for Dads and all of the other important platforms but you know I think being armed with information and starting the normalisation process. So understanding what is normal and what isn't and, you know, how we're kind of set up culturally to support dads is really important. So for dads who are in that sort of planning or pregnancy phase that have a flag going off, um, that is, you know, either concern about how they're going to navigate that space or how they're going to, um, you know, find it difficult in that space, um, and, you know, first and foremost can reach out to Panda via our website and our website is a really great space to start. Our front page has a, you know, who are you? You click you're a dad and it'll take you straight through to the dad resources. Um, and, you know, we have a range of, of tools and fact sheets that are available. We have a, a range of uh, real-life experiences and stories from people who have, you know, either used Panda or gotten involved with Panda after the fact. Um, that are sharing what normal looked like to them, noting that normals are different for everyone. Um, and we also have an amazing checklist. So we translated with our community a checklist that's 30 questions that explores sort of thoughts, feelings and behaviours and some relationship stuff um, mm -hmm. and gives you a bit of a rate on what you're experiencing and whether or not you'd benefit from reaching out to somebody. It gives you something really tangible so you can print out the sheet that comes out of the, the checklist at the end and take it to a friend or a general. GP or um, you know a family member to have the conversation because we know that sometimes you know our 
dad callers will express that they didn't know how to put into words what it was that they were experiencing you know it was a new thing for them and and felt stupid having a conversation when they couldn't describe it so sometimes those sort of tools are really powerful Um, really uh, sorry just i resonate with that message like having our first child um before you know we didn't have the planning phase we had the Mm. oh my goodness (laughs) whoops and um so for me not knowing how to articulate my feelings and not actually being able to accept that my feelings are valid and that they could be spoken to anyone about was absolutely a core issue for me and the reason why you know dad's group started was the only place i felt comfortable sharing that was someone who shared a similar experience or a peer Mm -hmm. environment so it's great to know that panda is you know open to having those conversations especially if you don't have another you know a peer group environment like a dad's group if you're isolated geographically or mentally otherwise then there is that access to support um sorry Mm -hmm. i just wanted to just outline that experience it is the challenge of actually articulating your feelings when you're not feeling well is it's it's a high wall that uh, yeah. I've never been able to get across. Yeah, and it's either being able to articulate your feelings or finding the right time. They're the two things that we often hear as the barriers, and they're self-imposed barriers. So they're things that we throw in front of ourselves, like stop sticks, to slow ourselves down. You know, and I think you know we break down that having the right words piece um, but the timing piece is something that we cannot break down for people you know and you hear it all the time whether it's around mental health and vulnerability or issues in a relationship and people say oh, I'm waiting for the right time to have a conversation or I'm waiting for the right time to go to the GP or you know and the reality is you get one crack at this life you know don't waste your time if you feel it think it do it you know and that's where organizations like pandas are great because you know, whilst I would never want community to feel they need to cover up an exploration for help or, you know, seeking support, our website and our checklist, no one needs to know you're doing it. You can do it 24-7. You know, you can engage with the resources and have the time away from everyone to be able to process and reflect on, you know, think about what it is you've just seen on the website or got from the, the checklist. And then work out where to next, you know. Um, and I think that's why tools like Pandas that are really down to earth and getting more down to earth, you know, our learning hub where you can do community education around perinatal mental vulnerability, um, you know, and connect with some of the resources is really important. And, that there, you know, there's no better time than the moment that you're thinking about it and doing it. Um, And then, you know, the other tool that's there, if you are experiencing real vulnerability or, you know, ups and downs and you do want to talk to somebody live is ring the helpline. And Panda has a great helpline via 1300 726 306. And we're available Monday to Friday, 9am till 7.30pm. Um, people do have to leave a message because we're slammed all the time, you know, with callers and that's unfortunate. Um, but we do get back to people too. And, you know, we've got some great counsellors, both people with lived experience and with clinical experience that can unpack what it is you're going through, give you a read on whether or not, you know, you need some further support or provide follow-up while you're waiting to get into local support. Um, and that's really cool. And whether you're pregnant or in the first 12 months of having a bub, the, the range of offerings that Panda has are very much the same. You know, our website's a really cool resource. We've got the checklist there for mums and dads. Um, the helpline's available 
and we educate health professionals to have open conversations and there's tools there that you could take to a GP if you've got a great GP who you think may not get this stuff you know you can take along some of the resources or share the website um, and unfortunately we do at times have to upskill the health professional community because they're across so many things um, so I think those are the tools and resources that we have but we also have partners you know that we readily engage with and work to support community through like SMS for dads and you know the mum mood booster and the like um, and that's good you know we're seeing a real shift and we aren't seeing more dads reaching out to the helpline and more dads reaching out to the helpline for their own well-being rather than seeking support for their partner which is so encouraging and supporting. Yeah great because there's definitely that cohort of fathers who are made aware in our dad's group antenatal sessions that they can call Panda um, if they, their partner's not not well, mm -hmm. they're saying there's obviously a, a change in culture in that fatherhood mm -hmm. space to being, you know, accepting that I can call Panda for me. Yeah. Um, and we also know that if I'm, you know, as a new father feeling mentally better, I'm going to be able to be better support and care uh, for my partner, for my family, for my child, my infant, uh, and for my broader community. So. Mm -hmm getting it right and healthy, getting our mind right, you know, body, mind and soul right in that, that perinatal period is so hard. And it's nice to say get it all right. But there are little basic steps, you know, from going for a walk, calling Panda, having a chat to someone um, that really make a difference. Julie, thank you so much for sharing those insights today. It's been yeah. nice to, to hear your journey. We've got a, a couple of minutes left where um, anyone, oh, Scott or, or Blair, may want to ask you some questions. Um, but apart from that, we just want to say thank you. It's been been wonderful to hear who you are as a, as a CEO, but also who you are as a, as a human and a community member of this uh, this perinatal community of support. Uh, thank you. And it is, you know, it's so great to have these conversations. And as you said at the beginning, you know, the yarn is really important because the yarn, you know, doesn't end here. And, you know, we are all connected, whether it's through these kind of mediums or whether or not we bump into each other on the street. And, you know, we are people that are just trying to navigate a space and trying to get things right, you know. So, yeah, it's cool. These conversations are good. Awesome. Blair, over to you if you've got anything uh, anything to share there. Or Scott, if you've got any questions for Julie while we have her. I, I, I get the opportunity to talk to Julie. As she said, she, her door is always open to me, so um, I take advantage <laughs> of that when I need to. <laughs> But I think, but I think it was really great. And just for me, sitting back, it is a new space to me. And I think the the thing that really resonated to me with with Julie's talk was about that trust and the trust between you know the mum and dad, and mm -hmm. the mum giving over because we're developing one of my roles is perhaps in a couple of weeks I may be able to come and get a little let everybody know a little bit more about it. But it is really about that messaging, um, helping mums to I suppose develop that trust and how to give over is certainly one of the themes that certainly that I'm finding um, in the feedback that that uh, we've been getting is a really big issue so it was really good to hear Julie's thoughts mm. on that. Um, <laughs> sorry I, my, I realized I was muted. Um, it's good now she's not snoring so it's going to be easier for me to chat. Uh, it's got a very sick little girl here at the moment. Oh, but, yeah, I just loved, I loved that conversation. I loved what you brought up about 
um, the fear elements of parenting. And I 100% have felt that and feel that on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And like, so for my situation now, like, so I'm, my wife's away for a week. I've got three sick kids and I'm trying to work and, and, and all that sort of stuff. And then, you, know, you good? Yeah. Um, and it's hard and there's that that whole fear creeps in because like I get overwhelmed I'm tired I haven't been sleeping well and that fear of how I've been reacting or that the fear is like because I've reacted badly in points this week um, it's like oh no now I've really damaged my kids you know and now I've lost their trust they're going to remember this for the rest of their lives like all this sort of stuff so that fear thing that you're talking about like just really hit home for me and I really appreciate you saying that um Julie that's yeah and that's been I remember before having kids that was my biggest struggle was like this fear of that I'm gonna be a crap dad and Mm. or this fear that I'm gonna damage my kids and, and all that sort of stuff and so yeah I really appreciate you saying that um the other thing is that I've so I've been with dad's group for or since Christmas day pretty much um last year and I met you, Julie, at the PBC Expo um, up in Brisbane um, at the beginning of the year. And that was awesome because what I the insight that I got to Dad's group, but then I got the insight to SMS for Dads, I got the um, insight to Panda was that it's not about um, Panda. It's not about SMS for Dads. It's not about Dad's group. It's about trying to bring that change and that those resources to um, dads and mums um, in Australia. And so my question was, and this is, yeah, I didn't prepare you for this one because it came up to me as you were talking, was why is partnership so important to you? Because that's something that I've really admired through the three organisations that are represented here today. And this wasn't planned for SMS Dads to be in this call. So that's really cool that you're here, Scott. Um, but why is that so important to you, um, that collaboration? Oh, look, I think for many reasons. And firstly, I'll just, you know, lay it out there because it's about choice for people. So, you know, I believe that the best possible health system and the best possible experience that anyone will get from a health system is one where they have choice because choice allows them to trust in their decision-making and, you know, choice allows people to trust in the system to hold them. And that can never come from one organisation alone. So I think, you know, we need to build a health system whereby people have the choice around where they receive care and support Um, and that's coming you know it's something we all need to work on I think secondly it is that none of us can do it alone nor should we ever do it alone because that's not how helping organizations thrive you know helping organizations thrive because we hand over and give over some of that trust because we call each other to account and make sure that we're doing the best with taxpayers money Um, And, you know, making sure that we understand our strengths and our weaknesses. And, you know, as an organisation, you know, Panda has a really big brand and reputation and people trust us and we're so proud of that. But we're not the experts at everything. You know, we have our space. We, we, you know, have our jam that we love to work on. Um, But we want others to thrive and wrap around us. And, you know, we want to be a part of a rich fabric which has a warp and a weft and every bit bit of that, you know, fabric is another organisation or another community group or another elder or whomever somebody wants to receive support from. Um, So I think, you know, it is really important that we partner and that we partner openly and authentically. And, you know, partnerships can at times be competitive. Partnerships can at times allow one to step forward and another to step back in the dance of, you know, the relationship. Um, And all of that needs to be tolerated. But partnership is fundamental, you know, and it's all again about trust. 
Yeah, definitely. That was great. Thank you. Thanks, Julian. Thanks for that question, but I think it's um, mm -hmm. really feeds feeds well into the that giving over kind of theme that we've had here. And nice, Scott, that you're working on elements of that in that, the SMS for Dads space as well. And I I know that in the Dads groups sessions that we have, um, there's ongoing continuous dialogue around this. And one of the examples that a a dad gave was you know his the first time he came to Dad's group with his child. It came came before the child arrived but the first time with the child it was a distressing um uh not distressing um challenging for him and his partner but probably more for his partner in that giving over she wasn't mm -hmm. fearful for the child's safety nor you know that the partner could do it it was just a milestone in their relationship of trust that you're talking about and it was a healthy milestone and um having spaces and places where you can um, you know, the, the point around uh, that giving over, you know, might be raised in a panda conversation, might be substantiated more, Scott, through SMS for dads and some of the narrative and the, the talk, the messages that will come through there. And then there might be a place where that can actually translate into a practical outcome for a new family as they go to a dad's group. And that, to your point, Blair, around how do the partnerships work, that is the working of a, of a healthy, mm. <laughs> effective partnership. And we don't need to all do every part of the puzzle, but if we work together, we can actually show, you know, together collectively how we all do our little bit and how our little bit together um, pushes each new father and, and family along the spectrum towards where they want to be as, as parents and as, um, you know, instrumental people in their community. So... Thank you. Uh, can I just pick up on something around that too? Sorry, Tom. There, there's something too, just closing the loop on what Blair said about, you know, that fear as well and the fear around the way in which you're parenting in this moment where, you know, you're alone and you've got three sick kids and are you doing it well? I think, you know, that it's the same kind of intent as partnership as well. And that is you're in a partnership with those little people, you know, especially that little one right now who's on your lap. And understanding that you know partnerships have strengths and weaknesses and the biggest gift you can give your kids right in this moment is the fact that you will mess it up sometimes you know and that you may get overwhelmed sometimes but you're not going to stop loving them you know and that you're going to be there and I think you know teaching kids that that is what life is about you know not to the extreme of harming our children ever or you know really significantly disrupting them and there's always that you know no go zone but you know to show your kids that you're going to be tired and you know you're going to be overwhelmed and that's okay is really important I think because that builds them you know up and gives them that self-trust and self-identity and knowing that you know near enough's good enough. If after listening to this episode, you would like to contact Panda's Helpline, please call 1300 726 306. If you'd like to find out more about Panda or Dad's Group or join a digital Dad's Group session, which is where these podcast episodes are recorded, or connect with some of our amazing partners, check out our website at www.dadsgroup.org. We'll link it in our podcast notes for you guys. Uh, please remember to like, subscribe and review and please share with any dads and families that may benefit from hearing this podcast. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it.